Welcome to Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff, where we interview newsmakers, storytellers, and all-around interesting people. Sit back, relax, uh, unless you're driving, and enjoy the show. Here's Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. I am Jackson Huff. This is Not in a Huff. Thanks for joining me. As always, really appreciate it. This week, really powerful conversation. I am speaking with Lee Wong. Now, you may not know his name, but you've probably seen the viral video that he is in. He's going to talk to us about Asian hate and Asian discrimination. Uh, it's certainly not a new issue. We've, we've faced it kind of here in the last few years when it comes to COVID-19 and some of the crazy misconceptions on, on all of that. Um, he's going to talk about how people within the Asian community has dealt with it for a long, long time, whether it was you know, the Japanese internment camps back during World War II, whether it's the Chinese Exclusion Act, whether it was some of the discrimination back in the 70s when more foreign cars, especially from Japan, were being brought to the United States and how that angered some people. Um, he's going to tell us about his his, uh, I guess, his experience with discrimination as um, someone who is Asian American. Now, let's talk about this viral video. He is uh, a member of the township board, the the township council, um, and you you're going to see. I, I believe council is probably not even the exact right word. He's a, a trustee, and he's going to talk about what that even means, what a trustee is, all that kind of stuff, but. It was in a trustee meeting, a township meeting, a couple of years ago where he started talking about the discrimination that he has faced. He's, you know, in his, He was in his 60s at that time, and the discrimination that he has faced since he came to the country, you know, some 40-plus years before that. The very interesting thing was he talked about how people have questioned his patriotism because he wasn't born in the United States. And the crazy part of all of it is, is he served in in the U.S. military. And he talks about how, you know, these people question his patriotism when he's shown, you know, some, some extreme patriotism. And then he takes off his, his dress shirt and shows the scars that he has on his body, um, which are, are, are relatively major scars uh, because of his, his service and just the kind of the absurdity of questioning his patriotism when he's you know shed shed blood for our country so it was just a, a very powerful video that's why it went viral it really elevated the conversation of uh, asian discrimination and and uh, the hate that has, has been around for a long time obviously there's there's discrimination of of everyone um that doesn't quite look like like you or think like you or or act like you and this is just one one area too, and we're going to talk about you know I think this is a, a timely conversation. We're going to talk about the the country, and we're always looking to to improve. We're not not always getting everything right. Uh, it's just we we need to be active. We need to uh, we need to think about the issues, think about the the things that we've gotten wrong, and and act on them. No matter what side of of things you are. Um, just be passionate about your your beliefs and and uh, and you know move move towards uh, towards creating a better country for sure. 
you know, I really appreciated Lee's time. Um, we're going to kind of get to why he decided to to speak at that trustee meeting, take some time out of you know their their normal scheduled meeting. He's going to talk about things that he thinks that we can do to improve discrimination as a whole, especially towards the Asian community. Uh, powerful conversation, really, really impressive guy, really powerful words. I really appreciated his conversation. I really appreciate just him uh, him sharing with us. So without further ado, here is Lee Wong. I'm here today with Lee Wong. Mr. Wong, how are you? Uh, fine, thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got a lot of different things to cover, a lot of really impactful things to cover. But before we do that, if you would just introduce yourself. I'm uh, Lee Wong. I'm uh, currently the uh, five-term trustee of Westchester, Ohio. It is the largest township in the state. And I'm also the chairman of the Midwest USA Chinese Chamber of Commerce. I hold other titles, uh, work as national spokesman for Chinese American Heritage Foundation based in Boston. You're, you're, you're very involved. And I want to kind of break down things because I don't expect my listeners to know much of anything, definitely when it comes to, you know, government structure. What, so what's it mean to be part of a trustee council rather than like a city council? Because obviously your trustee council meeting is something we're going to talk about here in a second. So right. how does that make it, how's that different? Well, a trustee is, a township is run by three trustees in Ohio. There's no council and uh, it's by two votes majority. We are publicly elected officials and uh, there's we are basically there are three mayors here so it's two votes majority gotcha. it's a very simple government it was set up for five thousand now we have uh, uh, sixty five thousand but people want it that way the advantage is there's no earnings tax or city tax you call mm-hmm. that oh that is that is a big uh, advantage for sure what uh kind of set the scene of where where you're located in in Westchester tell oh. Tell us a little bit about Westchester. Yes, I'm uh, located in uh, southwest Ohio, just north of Cincinnati, outside the Hamilton County, mm-hmm. county line, actually, 19 miles from downtown Cincinnati to Westchester. And Westchester uh, has 35 square miles in size, and uh, we have 3,600 business <clears throat> here, 32 foreign companies, and uh, we are very... Uh, it is one of the uh, rated top seven times rated by Money Magazine as a top place, best place to live in America and number one in doing business. And we are only second to job creation to Cincinnati. That's a, a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And you said that you've been reelected a bunch of times. So I think some of that can be attributed to you. So that's really, really awesome for sure. Thank you. I've been reelected five times as a top vote getter. <laughs> there you go. And that's, that's important too. I do want, I'm, we're going to talk obviously here in a moment uh, about your, your military service, but before we get to that, let's talk about currently, what made you get into kind of civilian public service? Well, it started off, I didn't come to this country to be, uh, get into public service. I came over here in 1970, uh, fresh out of uh, high school, uh, landed in Chicago, 18 years old. And uh, I was uh, had a dream of going to be a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. I thought I got it made. You know, my parents were dead when I was uh, 12 years old. I basically often, there's no place for me to go back to. 
So uh, I came from Malaysia now. It used to be British Borneo. So I thought, well, I got myself to a U.S. school and uh, done pretty good in, in Chicago and uh, just study hard, get my you know, pharmacist degree, get a bonus signing at that time. But the path is never straight. I found out that uh, two years into the program, I was attacked on, in the streets of Chicago. Uh, they thought I was Japanese, this man. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you must understand, in 72, there was a lot of anti-Asian, also anti-Japanese, particularly because of Toyota taking over Detroit. Hey, the man that attacked me didn't ask me, are you Chinese or are you <laughs> Japanese? He just attacked me of the way I look, mm-hmm. my this face. So uh, that, that put me to the emergency room. I, police was called. Uh, he was not arrested but uh, got a citation to appear in court. While in court, he still called me racial, slandered eye, all you can think of. To my surprise, he got one year of non-reporting probation. That was it. And that really confused me about America. When I got here, I thought this is the most civilized country. We have justice for all, police and all that, uh, democracy. Well, I quickly found out it's neither swift, fair, nor just our system. <laughs> mm. So it took, I was, uh, that was a trajectory uh, for the change of my career. I was, my grade was failing, but one day, anyway, I was still in college and uh, working two jobs. And uh, army recruiter show up as, uh, hey, you, what do you want to be? And uh, stupid me, I say, I want to be a, come, become a cop. Mm. Revenge. Uh, mm. No one wants to hire this face in Chicago at that time. Anyway, he said, hey, how about the military police? I'll get you in tomorrow. Wow. You know what he did to me? He gave me an MP armband. You know, that my bicep felt like six inches bigger right away. Mm. He said, I'll pick you up tomorrow. Let's go take, take a test. Of course, I passed it with flying colors and got in the army. Uh, shaved my head, put a green uniform. You're in the army now. There's only two colors, they told me, green and red. Green's our uniform, red is our blood. Mm. I learned, I knew that I messed up. I let that man into my head. So I reshifted in the military, take advantage of the edu- free educational system. Mm. I've done very well from military police, and I applied for mili- U.S. Army CID. That is the FBI of the army. I got it. And uh, I like it so much. I learned a lot from the military about leadership, be, no, do, and even there's politics in the army. So I like it so much. I stay 20 years. I say to myself, when I get out, retire, I'm going to make whatever the community I live in a better place than I found it. This is why I get involved in that dirty word, politics, today. So I've been in since uh, elected since 2005 and took office in 2006. And uh, so far, I still like what I'm doing. And uh, I think I'm doing a pretty good job by, I think the people validate (laughs) me by the votes, the top vote always. Even though I am, it is a 96% Caucasian 
community, but that makes no difference. I just do what is right for the people of my township, and they know it. Yeah. I'm for real. I'm out there. Yeah, this and is why I am. That yeah, and that and and you're uh, <laughs> an amazing guy from from what I can I can hear too. The thing that kind of strikes me of, of of the beginning of your story, you know, obviously your military service plays a big part in in why we're we're speaking. You you talked about how you know getting attacked, you know, being discriminated against and being attacked um, kind of made you shift what you, you know, your original um, plans were and that you kind of seen that America, you know, you, America lost a little bit of its, its sparkle at, at that point, given some of the people who, who make up the country, what made you, I guess, decide after kind of America, not really doing, doing a whole lot for you to think that, Hey, I want to maybe, shed some of the little bit of that red uh, and a little bit of that blood for a country that isn't really doing a lot for me at that moment. That's the first thing I would think, but you, you took it a, a different way. That's right. I jump in. I do not want to become a victim. Mm-hmm. I want to be a victor. Mm-hmm. When I get out, I'm going to move forward. Not instead of looking back. Oh, pity me. I want to win. I want to, to do something for the community, but <laughs> Sure, I break the uh, bamboo ceiling, but they are still ceiling is just a little higher now. But I still encounter people in this community, uh, not in my in, my, in the county, county that uh, in the last few years, especially that uh, they have a very narrow definition of patriotism. Mm. It is very narrow, exclusive and uh, hate-filled abomination for uh, racism. They are not patriot to me. I always say patriot is in the heart, not skin deep. Uh, there's more to that. You know, to me, patriotism is uh, an expression of uh, a natural sense of uh, pride mm-hmm. of our country's accomplishment and uh, where we are, not just... Uh, interpretation by some people based on race, color, and that's incorrect. And that when you came up to me well, during my campaign at the border election and to tell me that some, some of them got the God to come to my face and tell me that I don't look American enough or patriotic enough. So that's what it makes by my blood to boil over. Plus, of course, in addition to that last year's uh, Atlanta shooting, uh, remember, uh, spa shooting yes. and uh, kill six Asian. And then actually the violence was spread up here in my count in uh, surrounding uh, Asian American restaurants. And they came to me, asked me for, hey, Mr. Wong, can you help say something? You are a public official. So... Uh, you know, I wasn't playing, prepared. I, I know that that's, uh, racism is a very tough subject to talk about. But I opened it and then I realized, wow, uh, that was my foot is in the water now. That's, it's deep now. I might as well dive in. So uh, without a second thought, I, uh, that's when I re- revealed my chest scar to show that, hey, what, uh, what, uh, what real Americanism is. Is it based on where you look or what? You salute the flag every day, you wrap around, 
a flag on your face, on your head, or tattoo, you are more patriotic. So to me, that, that don't define what true Americanism is. Mm-hmm. True American, like I said, is an accomplishment, a sense of pride of your nation that we share together. What makes America great? To me, we are all immigrants that came here like a melting pot. And then, hey, we shake it out and have the best mind to come up with good ideas, invention for building this country, the brain power of Asians, of all minorities. It's like the, the best of the best. Yeah. This is why America is what, it was, what is great. That uh, it, I say is in our DNA, our greatness. It is uh, really a very powerful nation. That is great. We can all contribute. You know, our freedom is made of this, uh, the prism of this, you know, the, or the fabric that of democracy that shaped together. So that's what makes our democracy, you know, is good. It's not perfect. We are not in a perfect union by no means. Our constitution, yes, there's uh, some flaws in it, and uh, but you know what? We try to make it a perfect union. I think we all participated, contribute. Uh, I always talk about participatory democracy. I learned that in the army. You just don't sit there and expect something is going to land it on your lap. You're going to be promoted. What of your looks or what? You've got to perform, got to participate, take the initiative to make it happen. Otherwise, that's not democracy. You need to get involved. I always uh, teach younger generations that uh, they get involved with local government. Oh, go to a volunteer in a football game, collecting tickets, uh, varsity football games. I have done all that even though I don't have sons playing in football, I'll go out to demonstrate uh, for a, a cause. Like there was an unjustly termination of a scientist strictly because of some race, uh, racial complaint uh, that another person won her job. And it was terrible. And, and uh, hey, I got out on the streets and demonstrate in front of a court and it was reversed. In the end, it was... We were right that we need to speak up. If we don't speak up, that's when bad things happen. Yeah, that's my opinion. Absolutely. No, I. I the, you you said a lot of really powerful things in there. I, I and I mean the one thing that kind of, I guess, really kind of stood out to me is that you know we're we're certainly not a perfect country, but I think the important thing is to realize that a lot of people don't want to kind of understand that, and I, I think it's important to to see maybe the issues that we have and how we can, uh, how can we improve those? The thing I want to ask you too, just to kind of step back and obviously your patriotism definitely should, shouldn't be questioned. My goodness. Um, but what I want to ask you about with that is how was the, your time in the army when it came to that? Um, did you have any issues in the army or my hope is that, you know, whether you're, doesn't really matter what you look like if you're there to, uh, stand behind your, your brothers and sisters in, in arms that it shouldn't really matter. I hope that's the case, but what was your, your time like uh, with the Army when it comes to, uh, I guess, those, those uh, discrimination issues? Well, I tell you what, the Army should treat me very fairly. 
like everyone else. We was in my company. They were Hispanic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, African American of all races is in there. I think I was the, I was there was one Chinese American me. There was one uh, Korean American. That was it. And uh, out of uh, 200 people in there. But we were treated, uh, punished the same way. <laughs> I know the army is a control environment and it uh, forces us to learn to work in teams, teamwork. Otherwise, uh, we are, you won't survive in a combat uh, if you don't have that teamwork camaraderie. So that instilled in us to uh, work together to produce a result. They deliberately set us tasks as almost impossible for one person to complete. So you must, yeah, how are you going to carry a, <laughs> a 50 pounds ammo box uh, while load up on the trailer with one wheels across the river <laughs> right. without touching it? <laughs> right. uh, it requires a lot of teamwork. Uh, and you got over with on the rope. So it was uh, it's good training. And both mentally and uh, physically. Yeah. And uh, I'm not recruiting for the army, advocating for people to join the army. It is a, it is a form of control violence, but uh, it, you know, sometimes uh, one loose nut will go off the deep end. So, but overall it's, it's good training, we all uh, say. Absolutely, for sure. And and you, you kind of alluded to it a moment ago. I always like to, for people to kind of be able to tell their, their story in their own words rather than kind of lay it out. So, you know, obviously we're speaking because you you did kind of go, I guess the term is viral for something that, that happened in a township meeting. And it is, you know, about the issues with, with Asian discrimination and with people speaking about, you know, patriotism and what it means to be patriotic and, and how it really shouldn't matter at all what, what, what you look like, but tell us exactly what happened in, in that meeting, if you were. Well, well, first of all, I would say that uh, I, I have confronted by people asking, oh, making little comments, like, wow, Lee, your English is really good. Mm. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, where are you really from? This kind of you know, small, soft talks. Mm -hmm. But you don't realize that uh, in the end, they always marginalize us as foreigners, not American. Mm -hmm. That, oh, yes, Asian uh, uh, model minority. Well, Mr. Liu Cheng and I, we discussed, we are not all, we are all the same. We are not musical genius or getting straight A's in, in college or high school. I'm just average. Mm -hmm. That, uh, and then, and there is, it is difficult to talk about racism. Everybody got quiet if you see the video. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, when you talk about ra true racism, on the discuss, sit down and talk about it. No one wants to talk about. But then you got all this little chatting. Oh, wow, you are model minority. You, like I say, oh, your English is pretty good. Or you are, and where are you really from? These are very <laughs> There's a lot of implication in it. If you look at it, listen to it carefully, that they don't really accept you as who you are. I have even one person asked me after talk to me for 20 minutes about a job interview. Oh, wow, you were in the army, you're wonderful. After 20 minutes interview, you say, Oh, Mr. Wong, which army were you in? Mm. 
You know, I was looking at myself like, oh, am I red from my neck down today or something? But mm. I was in U.S. Army. Was, I <laughs> but mm. this is the mentality. But mm. in that meeting, uh, yes, there was a lot of things pinned up inside me. It was difficult. It was very difficult to get it out, as you can see in the beginning, that it was pinned up 50 years of, I put up with a lot of, you know, shit. <laughs> little shit like that yeah i put up with it for 50 years and then i let it out yeah i i wouldn't even sh walk down the street to take my shirt off or go to the beach have my you know without a shirt on but uh it was just uh i don't know what it, it was just a at that moment something happened when i start talking about it and i was getting really hot that's when it got me I think that pent up emotions behind me and uh, the rest is just, it took over me. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't planning to, on that part, to strip right. publicly <laughs> <laughs> on the TV. <laughs> so I didn't even know that it went uh, such a high impact. So until the next day, someone called me and said, hey, Lee, you know, you, there are millions of people uh, your video, look, uh, what, viewing it and uh, ready and all that. I, I didn't believe it until they say, yeah, yeah, it is. Let me show you. But that's not what my aim. My aim is really just to do the right thing. You know, yes, I advocate for anti-Asian violence because we are all Americans, not the way how we look, how we talk, how what we have an accent or whatever or background, we are one human being. And therefore, I say that, uh, you know, you, you need to be kind and gentle to one another. I never call out a, a, a single person in that video. It was timeless. I was, mm -hmm. uh, I would say, timeless message yeah. that we need to be kinder to each other. We want to move on, survive. Yeah. So, what, I mean, what was it? What was it like once you did see that it had went viral? Obviously, you were exposing a, a pretty vulnerable part of of what you've had kept pent up so now what was it like knowing that millions of people saw you know your your message and then also you know the great thing about this is you know i talk to people that who have, have had viral videos many mm -hmm. times it's always i mean it, it's silly stuff i mean we need laughter as well right. but to know that millions of people have seen a message that a lot of people probably hadn't even considered before and that you had made such an impact on people yes well it was i would say that i still get i still get emails every day from people all the way from australia canada or worldwide send it to me i would say that uh it melts down my uh my printer uh, that's for sure and uh, the first few uh, months was uh, it was tough there was a lot of requests for interview worldwide even australian tv but uh <clears throat> some of the comments were very good uh one twitter was from a uh, former prime minister of australia kelvin rudd r-u-d-d -D. he said a uh, silence is consent to racism that was a good one and you see he's right so many people today they don't want to sit down and talk to work things out they all have an opinion uh, they're going to be pent up inside them. You know, I have no problem. I'm open. 
what's your problem? But some of them got pushed to the edge, that uh, gun violence, uh, pushing Asian of uh, Asian American into a subway station. Every day, attack in New York City, Boston, California. So, in fact, I'll be making a trip over there again uh, end of this month to talk about uh, in commemoration of uh, Vincent Chin, who was killed in Detroit because of the Toyota uh, fiasco that he was killed, baseball bat to death. So, uh, I'll be out there speaking with the uh, mayor of uh, Boston about that because I'm also the national spokesman for Chinese American Heritage Foundation. Mm -hmm. So I do, because of that video of my, uh, what you call maybe a little celebrity status, 15 minutes of fame, mm -hmm. but I will use that to, to, as a vehicle to get the message out that we need to be uh, kinder and gentler to one another and work together for a uh, a better country, a better nation. Because like I said, in the bottom end line, we are all the same. We are American, uh, no matter where you go. I go, you know what? Uh, they told me, go back to China. Where do I go to China? I don't have a parents over there that pass away. This is my home here. Yeah. This is where I belong, not elsewhere. I don't see you tell a, Canadian guy, uh, whatever, European guy, go back to Europe and all that nonsense. Uh, we are all in this together. Like it or not, we got to get along. <laughs> Absolutely, for sure. And I'm glad that, that most of, of the, the comments that you received were, were positive and coming from some, some pretty high places. But obviously, yeah. when you put yourself out there and you kind of make yourself a little bit of a spokesman for you know, anti-discrimination causes, there's a lot of, of not so, so great people out there too that, that see that as a target. So have you dealt with any of that, that now that you're kind of more vocal in that world, that you've dealt with more, more discrimination from, from some of the, the, lesser, uh, the lesser people of our country? Well, I would say that uh, if you think racism is going away, you're dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been here since uh, the founding of this country. I learned that, and uh, it's not going away. It's, it's, uh, you need to be uh, vigilant. You, you need to participate to work together, educate the younger generations that uh, we are all one race. We need to be more civilized, and uh, together we can accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. not, uh, it's teamwork, just like the Army taught me. That uh, individualism, uh, you, you got problems. That uh, this is not what the founding fathers, our constitution, say so. So we are near, together. We need to work together to make it a more perfect union. Now, of course, you know we have flaws. Our country have made some grave errors. Okay, from uh, Japanese internment, uh, from uh, slavery. Uh, Chinese Exclusionary Act that was six decades long, that you can marry a non-Chinese, you cannot own property, special tax on you, you got to carry an ID card, work a minimum wage. This, were, this is a, st uh, a stain of America's soul. We made mistakes, okay? But 
like I say, they are trying to get better. I think I'm hopeful that America will be uh, great. And again, that if we all work together to be uh, the leader of uh, democracy. And uh, I think we can do it, but it must take all the people, not like I said earlier, a few, you know, narrow interpretation of what true Americans should be. That's wrong. What patriotism is, that's wrong. They, they don't, they are not patriots. They are just uh, <laughs> radicals. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I want to ask you probably the toughest question, because just like you mentioned that, you know, racism is never going to completely go away. We're always going to have people who are, aren't able to be uh, persuaded. The toughest question is what, what can we do about it? What can we do to, uh, to help with this? Because I just see that a lot of people, maybe if it isn't affecting them, then they don't worry about these type of things. Right. I, I think, and I'll tell you my, my, uh, my tie into this and why you know, your uh, talk has resonated so much with me. And it's something that me growing up as a white person and somebody who didn't really ever deal with any of this that I've learned a lot from, and definitely after COVID, and that is that my fiance is Asian. She's Filipino. Never anything that I would have ever dreamt of to even think about any kind of discrimination because I grew up in that privilege. But then after COVID, and obviously, you know, some pe- clearly people don't know, but Filipinos look very different than Chinese. Even if you're trying, even if you're trying to be discriminatory towards Chinese people because of the whole covid thing which is silly in its own right but that's just so silly too that you can't even distinguish different different people so that's my tie-in but what can we do about all of this well people must realize that when they say asian american not all asian american get along they are you're talking about korean japanese Uh, and vietnamese filipinos uh, of course burmese indians uh there are so many different different income level different educational level. Now, what I, I think that this can, they can do better in our country, in our state, let's say, just, just to the small level. Nobody, uh, agency need to just, uh, I, I don't want to pick on any particular agency. But they, can, they can start program that reach out to the community, such as the police, the FBI, that some of them have very bad reputation and need to reach out that people can trust that will report crimes and work together to solve this problem. Uh, not, you know, black against white, white against black, you know, and one against killing each other. Nobody wins. It is, uh, it, they need to work together, spend some money funding to educate, to sit down, have people talk, throw some coffee, cookies, big deal. As rent as lease as space. No one do that. As the chairman of the chamber, we have done that. Just to done a lot of that. Mr. Liu Chang and I, we, uh, I mean, this is out of our own private or nonprofit organization. But I don't see government mm. throw money in it, uh, funding this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that really speaks volumes to me. Just having a conversation and understanding each other is always a big thing. Again, I'll tell you another example of something that I never even thought about 
but it's because I was involved in, in having a, a conversation. Um, here in, in Indianapolis, definitely on the south side of Indianapolis, we have a really large Burmese population, very large. I think it's one of the largest Burmese populations kind of that's compacted in the whole country. And yes. a conversation that I was having in, in one of my in, in my day job, which I always kind of leave to the side, but it's in education. You know, I was having a conversation with, with some Burmese leaders and I had yes. no idea the things that, you know, impacted that community without speaking. And one big thing is for the Burmese population sometimes struggles with that law enforcement side of things, because think about why the Burmese population came here. It's because they were abused by the system over there. Police. So so now they don't trust necessarily the government here, but we never even figured that out. And why we were having so much issues with, you know, getting Burmese people involved because they were hesitant to to get involved. So without that conversation, we would have never even figured that out. That's right. That's why I told the uh, police here, FBI, that uh, you need to build trust. Reach out to the community. Talk to them. Talk to them about hate crimes. I would say that Cincinnati Cincinnati, uh, office uh, do have an agent that's doing a fantastic job that... uh, the Asian American actually, and uh, but there are, there's other office nationwide is still quite primitive in uh, that field. So I, I got to say they got to start someplace. They get involved to to build trust with the citizen. They need to reach out that because we are, these immigrants from countries like I say they are abused by the system by the police. That's why they do not trust them. Uh, never talk to a cop. Uh, a reported crime. Uh, so it is difficult. Uh, I have to, uh, uh, so it is, we've done that. Then you have another issue is uh, lately, I, I, I spoke to a lot of big corporation uh, about this subject. And I was approached by, I was shocked by approach by some high level uh, engineers that they say, hey, uh, when it comes to data security, data security, there are policies that really offend us, they exclude us. You know, how do you, you know, resolve that? You know, it was, uh, I, I say, Mr. Liu Chang and I, we, we figure it out. It is data security, the, or whatever, the, the uh, breacher, they don't care what race you are. If you are a disgruntled employee, he will sell your data out to someone else. So your company need to treat people better, need to treat them fairly, regardless of race. You don't really have to worry about data security breaching and are based because of race. That is totally discriminatory. We were discussing all this during the uh, Asian American uh, uh, Hawaii, uh, Hawaii Islanders Heritage Month, uh, celebrate talking about diversity. I don't see too many high-level executives sitting there. It's all Asian-American. Where is your boss? There's nothing's going to change. If your executive sit down in the ivory tower, uh, they need to come, sit down, and talk, and listen. And uh, our chamber can be very effective to guide them through that process. Yeah. So I think that's another area that need to work on in corporate. Absolutely, for for sure. And we, you know, we've talked about 
the the negative aspects of of things and the reason that you've you've had to be so busy. Um, let's talk about some of the positive aspects of what you're you're doing. You're you're um, ahead of the the Chinese Chamber in the Midwest, I believe. Talk about some yes. of the impactful things that the chamber have been able to do and, and what you've been able to do outside of oh, that as well. Well, that would take out uh, well, <laughs> uh, do in a nutshell. Yeah. We have established a uh, sister city, friendship city uh, with China, with uh, Cincinnati, Westchester. We also have a city, uh, friendship city or sister city in China to do business. Mm-hmm. We breach uh, the gap. And they came, in fact, the, the council general was just here. Uh, believe it or not, Ohio is the third largest uh, trading partner with China mm. today. Uh, they just uh, built, just pick a site already here, uh, going to build a $1.3 billion lithium battery plant. That's thousands of jobs. Mm. And uh, they came here to meet with Cincinnati mayor, myself, uh, GE, it was wonderful. So there's a lot of work to be done. I know that it is, uh, they're eager to buy in containers, ship back to China, eager to buy your products, our products. There's a lot of misinformation that uh, they're not here to occupy us, attack us. They're here to make money just like everyone else. We make money too, you know, mm. by doing trade business. And uh, Mr. Liu Chang can really get into that uh, e-commerce. Uh, he do that uh, uh, very well. That's why he's the executive director of our chamber. Uh, all the way from Pittsburgh to uh, Chicago to Wisconsin. This is all a part of our full Midwest USA under our chamber. And Cincinnati is the, that's the, Origin of chamber, believe it or not, in U.S. Hmm. Yeah, by uh, President Taft, Howard Taft. Uh, that's why it was created. I didn't. I didn't know that. That's that's yeah. really that's really cool for sure. So what? I mean, where do you hope that the things that you're doing? Where do you hope that that you're at in five years with with all this? Obviously, there's a, a ton of things to tackle, and you could spend a whole nother lifetime tackling it. But, but where do you hope uh, hope to get things in in the next few years? Well, I hope that one of the hardest thing is to get corporation or uh, government agency to put where their mouth is. Mm. Oh, they want diversity and all that talk a good line. Show me if there is no funding, nothing can happen. It takes time and energy and money to travel. Like we mm. travel to Boston out of our own pocket. Mm. You know, it's, uh, we need to set up a fund. If you don't want to do it, contribute to our chamber. We will do it. That uh, that, that we can make it make it happen. I I would say that uh, you know we, we I even set up my Patriot Fund, and uh, so people can uh, can go up there. I can uh, go up there to advocate for better rules for better community uh, with the legislator, if anything, if that needed or or to educate communities in a sensible way, like how we are talking. So, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I we I are really, not radicals. We are just, you know, common folks. <laughs> absolutely, for sure. And that kind of uh, is a good a good wrap up point. But I do want you to tell us how people can connect with with you with with the cause you you mentioned about uh, the chamber and maybe that uh, that other fund. Tell us how uh, how people can uh, interact with you. Yeah, people can uh, always reach me. Email is leewong two two nine gmail dot com. And uh, you can always reach me at uh, those uh, places or the China, Midwest USA Chinese Chamber of Commerce is on the website. And, uh, or just write me uh, to the township, Westchester mm-hmm. Township. We have a look it up at the township. My name, email is all in the, on my Facebook. Look it up. I'm an open book. We are uh, very easy to find me. So I, like you found me. <laughs> I did. I did. And I'm glad that I did. It's been a, a really powerful conversation. I've really, really appreciated your time. Yeah, I, I learned a lot, and I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of listeners did as well. So I really appreciate well, I you. So. I would love to hear the feedback. Thank you. Uh, absolutely. So that was Lee Wong. Really, really appreciated his time. So glad he shared uh, his story with us. It's a powerful one. Learned so much. I hope you did too. I uh, just like I told him. You know, it's a topic that I don't know a ton about i i really appreciated him sharing i uh, have this podcast to become a, a more informed person to be a better person and i i hope that listening to this is, has helped you in, in understanding and and maybe becoming uh maybe slightly better as well i i think that we all have uh, a lot of learning to do we have a, a lot of things that make us different but we have a lot of things that make us the same too just like uh, Lee said, and, and it's about finding those uh, common grounds and, and finding ways to uh, respect each other, love each other, all that kind of uh, all that kind of stuff. So I really, really appreciate Lee's time. Go check him out, whether it's the Midwest Chinese Chamber of Commerce. I'll put that website in the show notes, whether it is with his Westchester Township, uh, whether... It's uh, just reaching out to him to, to ask a question. He gave that information too. Uh, I know that he would be more than willing to, to answer the questions that you excuse me that you have. And uh, of course, check us out. If this is the first time listening, please do go uh, like, give those five stars on Apple and on Spotify. Both of those will, will accept those five star ratings on Apple. You can also leave a written review. Always appreciate that. Go follow us on Instagram, Not in the Huff Podcast, Facebook, Not in the Huff with Jackson Huff. We've got a page pretty much everywhere. Always appreciate that. Let me know what you think of this interview and, and all the other ones in the past, 90 plus, and all the ones that are coming up, which are some really amazing people too. So appreciate you being here. Appreciate it, Mr. Wong being here. Take it away, Chris. This has been Not in a Huff with Jackson Huff. Thank you for listening. Be sure to join us next time where we will interview another amazing guest who is sure to make you laugh or make you think, or hey, maybe even both. But until then, keep being awesome.